right, cheers, everybody. Welcome to The Water Cooler, The Water Cooler show about marketing, sales, and technology. Each episode, we focus on bringing you advice that works. On today's episode, we're going to be unpacking the seven lead conversion mistakes that are costing you money and how you can fix them. I'm honored to have uh, the co-founder and co-CEO of Verse.io on the podcast today. Verse is an industry leader in conversion. They help real estate agents turn inbound leads into appointments. David Tall is joining us today. David, welcome to the Water Cooler, my friend. Thanks for having me, Jimmy. Yeah, we're excited, man. You know, this is such an interesting topic for us because, you know, as a marketing company, we focus on the lead generation and the marketing and the branding. And our clients, now that they have these leads coming in, are, are, are looking for ways to actually improve their sales process, improve their sales efficiency. And I, and I, and I shot a video on Instagram before the, before the podcast where I said, you know, there are a few things that you can get right, David, in your business that have a really a profound effect, an exponential effect. Uh, your culture, your marketing, Marketing, but then your sales. And I think right now there's so much room to improve our sales process. So I know today the audience and our community and our fans are really looking forward to hearing your insight on this. So I want to dive right into it. Let's start with sort of the basic principles and we'll build up from there. When we think about the seven mistakes that are really costing agents business, the first one that you share with me was speed to lead. Now, we got some data on this as well that we share with our, with our community, but how do you think about speed to lead and why do you think that that is a huge reason why agents fail to convert leads? Uh, well, sp speed to lead, and we've all heard it you know, over and over, right? But, but the reason it's so important is that prospects are not wait, going to wait for you, right? Mm. They want to move at their own time, on their own terms, at their own pace. And how many times have you gone on Yelp and if you needed a three. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's the same thing. And in real estate in particular, um, when, you know, um, in, in real estate in particular, when leads are coming in 24 seven and from platforms that sell the lead to multiple real estate agents, yeah. if you're not the first to uh, engage with your customer, uh, uh, you'll be the last. And sure. um, in, in real estate, a couple of stats that are important is, you know, you are, you are, you are 21 times more likely to convert a lead into a sale if you engage them within five minutes versus mm -hmm. just 30 minutes later. Mm -hmm. um, yet real estate agents, this is a statistic from NAR, National Association of Realtors, on average, they take th three hours and eight minutes, three hours and eight minutes to respond to, to a lead on average. And this is no fault of their own. Uh, and I'm not blaming real estate agents. I was when I was a broker for 10 years. Yeah. But as agents, we are running around, we're showing properties, we're talking to customers, we're networking, we're not waiting for leads to come in so we can call them within one or two minutes. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's important that agents, I understand that they're not equipped to, to respond to every lead instantly. So mm -hmm. they either need to have a system in place, a team in place, or an automation in place to take care of some of that for them. It is is because right now uh, most agents who are watching this podcast are going to have some modern CRM. I hope, please, right, where there's some option to have a drip campaign or an autoresponder. And right now, that autoresponder will include a text message. It will include an email campaign. Is that enough? Is is that enough of a? I'm checking that box. If I have that in place today, 
can I can I move on or or do you feel like they're still missing out if they if they don't actually have a, a mechanism to call that lead within the first five minutes? That's a great question, and and we divide leads. We 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 believe there are two general buckets of, of prospects. There are reactive and proactive. Mm-hmm. Proactive is someone who's going on a portal like Zillow and Realtor.com and filling out a form, right? They they proactively went on there, searched and filled out a form. Yeah, they're much higher intent. So you want to text them and email them. But I would also recommend making a couple of calls as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, a reactive lead is someone who is scrolling Facebook, not looking for homes, yeah. sees your ad, is tempted by your creative and your copy and clicks on yeah. it and, and with two clicks, autofills the form. Those yeah. people actually get bothered by phone calls. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and by the way, both groups kind of do. No one likes answering the phone from numbers they don't know, right? And, and yeah. that is why we believe in texting as a, as a first approach because when you text, you cut through the noise and you're able to engage prospects and they can see what you're uh, you know, texting about, inquiring about, back with mm-hmm. them, responding to them about. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's been very powerful. And, and, and just back to the speed to lead, 88% of, of, of customers, of, of home buyers and sellers, 88% of them will, will work with the first agent that they meet with face-to-face. And so it's not just about speed to lead to send a first text. But it's really about speed to relationship, right? Mm-hmm. So, so the faster you get a hold of them, the faster you can invite them to coffee or over a Zoom call um, or a walk, whatever yeah. the case may be, to discuss what's important to them. Yeah. So a couple of things I wrote down as you're talking through that. So you talk about, you actually make a distinction between call it a proactive and a reactive. And the way we think about that in the marketing space, David, is demand fulfillment versus demand generation, which is if somebody is searching for something actively through AdWords or through Google, through, uh, through uh, uh, Zillow or through Realtor, and they fill out a form or they're on your website, no matter where the traffic came from, and they're opting in to request more information about a specific listing, that is what you refer to as proactive. They're actually expecting or they are more likely to be expecting a call and reactive is someone who is sort of has to go through a gate through a landing page to uncover some content and then you're able to uh able to follow up there let me ask you a question everybody in this industry obsesses over speed to lead when it comes to new leads but we know that the consumer journey, David, takes more than just a few days, right? People search for homes for three months, six months, 12 months. Sellers, they think about selling for 18 months. How do you think about speed to lead when it comes to existing leads in your database that are re-engaging? How do you think about the approach to speed to lead when it comes to those, those leads that have been, you've been nurturing for some time now? Well, what, one of the, um, and, and this is, I think, number seven, I think, of, of, the, of the items here, but it is you, you need to provide value. Mm-hmm. Um, sp- there is no such thing as speed to lead in someone in your database, right? Because you already missed the speed to lead. Speed to lead is all about from the top of funnel. They just fill out the form. You want to immediately create some level of engagement so you can stay in touch with them. And to your point, Jimmy, no one is ready to buy that same day. Like, mm-hmm. like they might for other types of opportunities and other kinds of industries. But, and they take three months, six months, a year longer. So the important thing is to uh, engage them, qualify them so that you're also not putting people in your database that are never going to be buyers or sellers. And they're just going to create noise and more work for you and your team to try and squeeze juice out of when there's nothing there. So you want to mm-hmm. move people out of the funnel. It's okay to fire leads. You know, yeah. I don't want this lead even in my system. It's okay to do that. Um, but for the other people, uh, proactive leads like Zillow Realtor, 
we measure this because we work with tons of referral networks. We power a lot of the biggest referral networks in the country for real estate. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the ones that come from portals like, like Zillow, Mavoto, uh, Trulia, Realtor, they're closing in three to six months. Mm. Reactive leads are closing in six months to a year and a half or, or, or never yeah. or longer, I should say. And so um, that is also important in, in how you bucket leads. You don't want someone that you know is going to buy in the next three to five months you want to be in touch with fairly consistently. Yeah. Right. Someone who's not going to be buying for a year or two, you're going to bother them and actually uh, they're going to block you. Yeah. If you try to follow up with them as often as you would someone that's a lot closer to the journey that you want to make sure you're staying on top of. So what you're suggesting, and this is an interesting idea that I think everyone, cause I have a, a follow up question here in terms of like ingraining this in your culture. But what you're saying here is that if you bucket your leads, right. And the reactive versus proactive, uh, you should now that should then inform not only the speed to lead, but it should also inform the amount of follow-ups and it should also inform the messaging. So I, what I think the takeaway is here for, for our community is, is quite simply this, not all leads are created equal, which is to say that if you have a singular approach to following up with leads, meaning speed to lead, and you're, you're just calling every lead the exact same way, you might, be, you might be actually in some ways crippling your ability to actually follow up quickly with the best leads because you're spending so much time filtering through all of your leads. You know, a curator, we don't, like we get a couple thousand leads a month. We don't call leads, we call appointments. And we just have to do that because we, you know, we're really focusing on the marketing side of things. We don't have a large sales team or curator, so we just call appointments. But if you have a lot of leads coming in right now, you have to make that distinction. What do you say, David, to agents out there who have team leads out there who have tried everything imaginable to get their agents to call leads quickly and have failed. You know, we hit them with the stats, 88% choose the first agent. You're 20 mi- 21 more times likely to, to convert a lead if you call within the first five minutes. You hit them with this, this just logic, but they still don't do it. What do you say if you were in a position where you had to coach your agents to do this, what would you tell them to do? What would you say to them to convince and compel them to actually do the job here? You know, it, it's a really good question, and it is what Tom Ferry and every coach has been trying to figure out, how, how to get the message more clearly across. And what they've all come to understand is you're never going to because it's unrealistic to respond to leads quickly in 24-7 and seven days a week when people have lives. And so what people need to do is leverage technology um, to do that. To mm-hmm. hire companies, I'm not trying to sell myself with this answer, but this is what we do, right? We yeah. help cover that. We help solve that problem. And there's others. And or or hire an assistant um, that 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 is all they're focused on doing during during day hours. Yeah. So um, I I don't think you know if you walk into a doctor's office and the doctor comes out to greet you and ask you a bunch of questions before he sees you, that doctor is not making the best use of his time or his office. That's yeah. why he has a receptionist. Mm-hmm. Um, and that and that is kind of the same thing here. Is is someone is walking into this office when you had a real estate office, there was a receptionist, right? Someone to greet, ask, hey, how can I help you? Yeah. What's this about? Are you looking to buy or to sell? Well, I have a different someone I want to introduce you to depending on, on who you're going to. Um, and this is how I think we need to treat uh, consumers. Not yeah. through the heavy, by the, by the way, it's also been proven that consumers are much more guarded and they have a wall up when they speak directly to the agent right off the bat because they know that the agent just wants to sell them something. And that's mm-hmm. their perception. Mm-hmm. 
how do you feel when you walk in to a car dealership and the car and the, and the, and the salesman just starts walking up to you? Just browsing. You just know he's going to try to sell you and you just want to get away. Yeah, Wouldn't you sure. prefer to talk to his assistant first to get some general info without the pushiness? Yeah. Way better. And then decide whether you need more info or not um, yeah. or when's a better day to come in. Yeah. So it, I think it's the same thing. And so I, I wouldn't blame managers or their agents. And, and I know you're not saying that, but, but, but I, I think the system is unrealistic. When, people, when I got started in real estate, it was before Zillow. Yeah. There was a time. There was a time. <laughs> I know I look good. I just, I moisturize, <laughs> but there was before Zillow, like you, Jimmy, I use your moisturizer. Thank so, you. <laughs> there was a time before Zillow and it was all about location, location, location. So people used to walk into my office mm-hmm. and I would greet them face to face, shake their hand and start to work with them. Um, now that, that is really shifted. And so consumer behavior shifted and the way businesses engage these prospects has to adapt as well. Yeah. Softer approach. These are not leads anymore. Uh, in the same way that they were when they walked in the door, gave you the real name, you knew what <laughs> you know who they were. Mm-hmm. Um, now you don't even know who they really are. And so there's a, another step now um, of engaging and really qualifying these prospects. And I think qualifying is the key is the key thing here, um, so that people can run a more efficient system. To your point, Jimmy, you're, you don't want to work through and waste your time on everyone that expresses interest unless they're interested enough to want to speak to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what, and, what I'm running, so it's the same thing. What, 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 I, what I'm taking away here, before we move on to number two here, which is after hours, what I'm taking away here is this. For everyone who's listening, what David's basically saying is we have to accept the fact that the idea that you can somehow motivate all of your agents to drop everything they're doing to call leads within the first five minutes, which is an essential component to scaling your sales team, is fundamentally flawed. You have to have specialization, whether that's outsourcing, whether that's technology, or whether that's an individual role within your company where they are their only job is to fall, which is which of course is the ISA role, the theory of the ISA role. And there are exceptions to the rule, of course. You know, we had Dan Chin on uh, the water cooler uh, two weeks ago, and he his team sort of plays the role of ISAs and agents, but they but that's that's structurally built into the organization. But for the most part, the rule of thumb here is if you don't have specialization in the first five minutes of the sales process, you are going to just in this case, waste a lot of money marketing your business and generating leads because you're never going to convert the rate that's really going to drive uh, success. So David, number two, this is what I actually am super interested in. Um, the mistake that you talk about here is after hours. Now, most people in real estate know, David, that this is not a nine to five job. But I, I hear from agents all the time, is it too early to call the lead? Is it too late to call the lead? Give us some data and give us some, some supporting information around your thoughts on after hours, the right time to follow up with leads. Yeah, well, you're absolutely right. It's not a nine to five job um, and leads come in 24 seven. In fact, 45% of all real estate leads come in after hours and on weekends. And define after hours for away, us, is that after 5 p.m.? After, after 5 p.m. Yeah. Um, and, um, and this makes sense. People are at work, they get home from work, they make dinner, they put the kids to bed, then they log on to Zillow, mm-hmm. right? Or, or go on to Zillow. And so, you know, to, to simplify, hyper simplify. But so almost half of the leads are coming in after hours or, and on weekends. And even if you include, if you take out the weekends from that, let's just say I have enough, so I'm open seven days a week. Great. 30% are still exclusively after hours and most people are not engaging. And so that's just an automatic, to, to assume that they're any less valuable is, is, is a complete mistake. 
Mm-hmm. It's just when they're available. In yeah. fact, there might be the most qualified because, hey, they're working and, and earning their W-2 income you're going to need for that loan during the day yeah. so, so they can qualify <laughs> and talk to you at night. And so um, the, 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 the solution here, so it's clearly a problem, um, yeah. but the solution is, is, again, in the same way you bucket leads by, by, by motivation, by, by time frame, right? Um, and by the way, when you talked about bucketing leads, Proactive and reactive is kind of the top filter, but when you qualify them, you're going to actually get the real answers of what their timeframes are. Mm-hmm. And you should bucket people on timeframes. So I just wanted to quickly go back to that and say, bucket them on timeframes. Because if someone's yeah. buying in the next month or two, you want to be on them differently than someone that's buying in six months because yeah. six months can mean never. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, but with after hours, the reason I, I, I went back to that is it's a different type of a bucket. And, and most of these CRMs have a way for you to send a different campaign or a different automated message to leads that come in after a certain hour or before a certain hour. So you could say leads that come in after 5 or 6 p.m. or 8 p.m. and before 8 or 9 a.m., send them this separate message. And this is, mm-hmm. this is what we do at first, right? We, we're 24-7. We're working millions of leads for, for every kind of business out there. And 45% of them or so on average come in after hours. And our message is slightly different. It is instead of, instead of in the day where I would say, you know, hey, Jimmy, David here with the blank blank real estate team saw you were interested in one, two, three main street would love to be of service. Uh, when's a good time to connect so I can ask you a couple more questions instead of that, you just change the message to acknowledge that it's after hours, but, but make it personal, make it authentic. So it doesn't feel like an automated bot mm-hmm. and, and you engage and you say, Hey Jimmy, thanks for reaching out. I, I know it's late, but I just want to get back to you and let you know, I'd love to have a conversation with you. Uh, sometime in the morning, when's a good time? Mm-hmm. You, you kind of put it on them to, to kind of respond. Mm-hmm. And, and that creates a different paradigm. They feel they're, you're attending to them. Yeah. They don't feel ignored for, for 12 hours, mm-hmm. right? And you give them a chance to give you a time that works. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think they're just going to find that extremely respectful. And, and when you say, what was the number is 45% of leads come in after hours or on the weekend? Yep. Yeah. It, it's, it, it, there's, there's a, um, they, they do this in, in technology. They have uh, this concept of like uh, pager duty, right? It's an application out there where if your technology breaks, like you're the engineer on call. Would you suggest that maybe instead of having your sales team all work, let's say if you, ha- if you were to build an internal ISA structure, would you say that it might make more sense to stagger the schedule as opposed to having everybody work the same hours, given the fact that 45% of leads come in after five. So in other words, I'm in the East Coast here in Boston, it's five o'clock right now, 520. Would it make sense for me to have, maybe if I had three ISAs, one working from like eight, you know, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., one from like 12 to seven, and then one maybe from like, you know, three to nine or something like that. Like, would that make more sense than just sort of the standard approach in your opinion? It, it would make more sense, certainly, to spread out the capacity, the fulfillment capacity there. Um, that being said, it'll be hard to staff 24-7. And even if you staff them until 8 or 9 p.m., uh, a good chunk of leads come in after that. They just yeah. do. They come in at 11, at 2 a.m. You're allowed to text prospects if they just inquire and you have the, the TCPA language that uh, we can contact you. You could send one automated message just to acknowledge you yeah. can't start calling them at 2 a.m. And, and texting them multiple times, but you could send sure. one message saying, I got your inquiry. I know it's late. When's a good time in the morning? Um, is, and is I think everyone will, will respect that. To, I'm just curious. To just, is, is there a time that you have found to be too late to call somebody? Like obviously 2 a.m. After 8 p.m. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Why, why is that? Is that just your own personal That's, opinion? Uh, or is that like there's actually the data behind that? Well, there's data and then there's laws also, um, okay. you know, around in different states. So we, we kind of, um, we, we don't call anyone uh, after, after eight because of different state laws. Um, yeah. We're not allowed to unless they say, call me. Yeah, unless um, they explicitly and, say, I want you to call me as an example. Yeah. yeah. And, and look, if so, what would you think if someone called you at 8.30 p.m., right, to sell you something? Well, I'm a millennial, so I wouldn't pick up the phone in the first place, David. Exactly. exactly. They <laughs> so, would text you. Wouldn't that work better if they texted you and said, hey, yeah, Jimmy? Yeah, I, I will I respond to text messages like up until I'm not going to even disclose this because I don't, I, don't, I don't want my clients texting me that late. But I, I, will, I will respond to text messages far later in the day than I would, uh, than I would have would a have, would have phone call. But you, know, you, you bring up a really interesting point, and I think this is maybe the takeaway, is number one, it is to address after hours, just to accept it as a reality. And I think what I'm hearing you say, David, is don't wait until the next day to start the conversation. Yeah. You've got to get, you get that conversation started right away. But the second thing you're Speed saying to lead is- lead applies to nighttime. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's a great way of phrasing it. Speed to lead applies to nighttime. And the second thing you're saying here is just change the language. And I, and I actually think, I think that that language you just gave is a very thoughtful way of saying, Hey, I know it's after hours. I just wanted to make sure I got back to you, let you know that if you're available tomorrow morning to connect, uh, we can grab some we can grab 15 minutes just to talk about, you know, what your goals are. That's a really smart way of like acknowledging it and then pivoting towards the pitch. And, and the conversion code, uh, the book that my co-founder Chris Smith uh, wrote, he talks about this idea of acknowledge, respond, and then pivot, right? ARP. And that's what you're doing ARP. here. You're, yeah. And then just, you're, you're just turning the corner and you're pivoting towards, all right, hey, let's, let's get you on the phone uh, the next day. All right. So let's, we got speed to lead figured out. We got no coverage after hours. This next one here is a very challenging, I think, the very challenging part of running a sales organization which is the follow-up. Now, from a marketer's perspective, marketing has a responsibility to follow up with leads at scale. How do you think about follow-up at an individual level over that sort of six months, 12 months that a consumer is going through the buying and selling process? Yeah, and, and, and another, you know, one of those sayings we've all heard is, you know, the fortune is in the follow-up, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's just so completely true. First of all, it takes an average of six to eight attempts to make a contact, to make contact with the average prospect. Yeah. Six to eight attempts. So if you're making five attempts and patting yourself on the back, you're missing out on most of it. Mm -hmm. That's the sad reality. Even yeah. though like, good for you, you made five attempts. That's more than 90% of people. Yeah. Still not enough. But, but don't look at this as a negative. This is a massive opportunity for upside. As soon as you start following up longer, automatically that pipeline just starts coming in um, mm -hmm. and like magic. And so, um, you know, the, the way we look at it, and again, we, we, we try to bucket it to be as relevant, the more sophisticated you can get, the better in that regard. But while keeping it simple, you don't want to overcomplicate your business and, and, and you want to leverage technologies or services that can help you with this. I just want to reiterate that. It, this is not meant for you to do everything all the time necessarily, but these, mm -hmm. are, these are fundamental truths that need to be uh, understood so that you can at least understand what you're leaving on the table or figure out a way to plug those holes. And so the, the average real estate agent makes 1.2 attempts to contact a lead. 1.2 attempts. Mm. Uh, so not even two attempts total, right? And mm -hmm. so that's the real hole here. Yep. Um, 
as far as as far as nurturing long term, there are a few approaches. Email is certainly an easy way, and you and you could automatically you know put in some value in there. You don't want all your engagements to be. Are you ready now? Are you ready now? Are you ready mm-hmm. now? Can you talk to me now? Can you talk to me now? It's got to be adding value. So look, if they haven't wanted to talk to you in the first week, they're probably not that interested or not interested now. You need to catch them with something else a little more interesting. Mm-hmm. So you need to add value. Um, and, and, and I'm touching on, on item number seven again because it touches on so many of these, which is what, what, what do we do as, as, as agents? We're adding mm-hmm. value to the process. And I think you need to add value before the process, during the process, and certainly mm-hmm. after the process, people always talk about long-term nurture as being up until someone closes. What about after somebody closes? Mm. You know, there's another stat, and I'm going to get the numbers a little off here, but something like 90% of, of people say they would work with the same realtor again, um, and, and, and only 10% do. Mm-hmm. And that's because agents tend to sort of forget after they make that nice commission check, they assume well, that guy's not going to buy for years, and yeah. I'm, I'm sure I'll stay in touch. The intentions are good, mm-hmm. but you see certain agents that and teams that do a really good job of gifting and staying in touch post the closing, mm-hmm. and it's to maintain the relationship for a couple reasons. Number one, so that when that person comes to buy or sell again, another property yeah. or the same one, you come to mind right away. Number two, so that they can refer you to all their friends and family. All, all the, my business blew up when I was a, a broker, not, not even because directly from lead gen, but it was because of the network that I built from the clients I was meeting through my lead gen. And all of a sudden I was selling to their parents, to their brothers, to their mm-hmm. you know, brother-in-laws, mm-hmm. to their friends. And so one client through proper nurture could become five. Same with a, a new lead who's not ready, but you start adding value and showing you're an expert yeah. and saying, Hey, I know you may not be ready yet. So use language like, like you got to lower the, the wall. Right, yeah, lower disarm the wall. Them. Yeah. Um, Why do you think? I, I just yeah. want, I want a follow up question here, which is, um, do you feel that when an agent is making two, three, four, five attempts, right? The average is one point two. Uh, what is typically required to really operate at a high level is six. Do you feel that? the reason they don't do that isn't because maybe structurally they're not set up or because they're lazy, but rather because they tell themselves a story when they're being ignored. And what I mean by that is that I regularly ignore people, David, that I'm actually interested, like, I mean, providers and service providers, right? Like I regularly ignore them just because not that I'm not interested, it's just not the right time. And so rather than explain that, it's easier to ignore. So do you think that agents sort of fall into that trap of telling themselves a story like this person's not interested simply because they haven't responded and that as a result hurts their ability to actually follow up as many times as needed? Yeah, I, I think you absolutely nailed that on the head. And, 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 and it's, it's that exact thing. And, it, and, it's, and it's that difference in how we meet our consumers. Again, back in the day, if you met someone face-to-face, it would be a lot ruder of them not to respond to you after that. Like you mm-hmm. just met, there's some kind of yeah. rapport that was built. Um, some kind of confidence that was built, trust to some mm-hmm. degree. When they're just an internet lead and they've never met you, they don't know what you look like, you don't know what they look like, what they sound like. Sometimes you don't know if it's a guy or a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's a completely different ball game and there's no guilt, just ignoring. No yeah. guilt. Yeah. And again, to your point, people interpret that as no interest instead of not right time not yeah. the right time. And that's a key, key, key differentiator. And I also don't think 
I, I think, look, no one likes to be rejected. And sometimes when we don't get a response, we interpret that as rejection. Yeah. And it gives us cold feet. And I think that is why agents don't make that many attempts in general. They're almost afraid of, of the no or the rejection. Yeah. And I think, that, I, I think it's a discipline you have to build strength and overcome because the stats all point to make six to eight attempts. If you will, if you do, you're going to make two to three times more engagements with the same volume of leads are already spending your hard-earned money to generate. Yeah. It's, it's How's that going to flow down to sales? Yeah. It, it, it's, it's what, you, what, I, what, I, what I wrote down was no response does not equal no interest. And I think in this case, it's something that as a sales manager and a team lead, it's something that I think people need to be talking more about, which is to say that hit them with the data, but then also help, help uh, maybe uh, diffuse that tension that's already building up in their head. Because I can promise you, if they log in the CRM and they've got this lead that they followed up with five times, they're just at that point phoning it in, right? Like, oh, there's yeah. just no way this person's replying to me now. I'm, I'll just send this generic email. I won't spend a, the extra five seconds to personalize it. So, 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 yeah. so David, just turn the corner for, for me for a second. How do we solve the problem of no long-term follow-up? Is it just simply presenting the facts that, you know, you need to get six attempts to maximize your ROI? Or is there something else that can happen to help solve that problem? You can, you can automate that. You, and you should. Like you can create in most of these CRMs and if not companies like Verse that can automate this for you to follow up automatically for six months. You know, we, mm -hmm. we have a six month standard follow up for all leads. Um, and I share that for users to use for themselves. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we follow up a few times on day one, depending on when it came in. If it came in at 7.30 PM, we're not going to follow up three more times that same day. Yeah. But two to three times a day, depending on, uh, on the first day, two to three times. Yeah. yeah. Email text, and depending on the type of lead, we'll also make a call or two calls and, and leave a voicemail. You want to maximize the, the chances that they heard you and are going to respond. Day two, you follow up twice because guess what? They heard your voicemail most likely, or, or even if they didn't, they saw your text, they saw your email. And again, next day comes, they wake up, your kid's crying, they're busy, they're late for work. You're not top of mind. You may think that's the most important thing to you because you're trying yeah. to make a commission, but that is not the most important thing to them. And home buying is not an urgent thing. It, yeah. it comes when they're convenient for them to go look at homes. The and long talk sales to you. cycle. Yeah, they don't have to fix that fridge today, right? Yeah, it's it's a different thing. So, so you have to follow up. And by the way, um, some of the language you can use to follow up to not come off uh, as, as being you know a pest is to say, hey, I just want to make sure I didn't drop the ball. Mm -hmm. I really care about serving my customers and making sure I'm there for them. And you know, just please let me know if there's a good time to connect. Um, and sometimes it's also good to ask if they're not interested to let you know. Um, yeah. It's ask okay. For the no. You want to move, the no. you move people that? out of your way. Uh, but someone, someone on, on Twitter can maybe help us out here or watching live on Facebook. There's a famous book, Go For Now, or a famous uh, sales coach who talk about Go For Now. Um, you know, my co-author uh, and friend of uh, the water cooler and curator, uh, Phil M. Jones, who um, wrote the book Exactly What to Say, and we adapted it for real estate called Exactly What to Say for Real Estate Agents. He talks about this concept, David, of uh, the rejection-free pitch, which is using language when you're reaching out to uh, disarm the client. So one thing that we coach is we say things like, I'm not sure this is for you, but, 
it's a way for us to say, hey, I'm not sure this is for you, but a new listing just hit the market. I wanted to keep you in the loop on it. Here's the information you're looking for. Let me know if you want to take a chance to go deeper on it, right? See the 3D tour, check out the video, whatever it might be. But uh, that's what you're basically saying is like, hey, you know, we, we, we're committed to customer service. I just want to make sure I didn't drop the ball, I, you know, making sure it's not us. And then I think the second point you made there is like when you're following up over and over and over again, you can also say, hey, let me know if this is not for you. I totally get it. You know, I've actually had that experience recently where someone reached out who reached out four or five times, right? They're a well-trained salesperson and, and they politely gave me the option to opt out. And I did. But if they didn't, they would have then continued to spend time with me following up and, and then not focusing on, you know, prospects who are actually going to close. So I think the takeaways there, David, before we move on to number four here is number one is, is to leverage automation in a smart way. Number two is to essentially front load your follow up and then sort of spread it out more evenly over time to extend the life cycle of it. And number three, start giving people the option to sort of opt out of communication later in the process process to avoid wasting time on following up leads that will never convert. Number four on the list here, David, is something that I know every sales leader in real estate wish they can train their team on, which is like managing the communication. If I go into another CRM and I see a profile and it has no notes, no information, right? It's just going to just drive me crazy. That's the way sales leaders and team leads feel right now. They go into the CRM and like the, the best they can get is LVM, right? Left a voicemail. Talk about how you think about managing communication. Why is it broken and how do we fix it? Well, I, and, and I'll just um, uh, encompass that by saying it's about managing two-way texting. Okay. Conversational texting, mm-hmm. um, because that's that's what's really missing here. Is okay. is everyone's got the phone and has been trying to make calls and no one answers your call and every year fewer people will answer that phone call, um, and they can click block before they even know who it is and it's just not the way to go about it anymore. And it's you might as well start faxing people. Yeah, you know, send them a fax, see if that works, right? But um, with texting, it cuts through the noise. You know, the stats all show that, um, you know, I'll read you just a couple of stats. 89% of consumers prefer to communicate with businesses via text. Mm. 98% of text messages are read compared to 20% of emails, Mm -hmm. right? So it's almost five times more text messages are read compared to emails. Emails, you can just click a button to delete. You get a text, you read it. Everyone reads it. 98% of people do. Um, and text messages are responded to seven and a half times more often than an email mm. and 60 times quicker, 60 mm. times quicker, meaning that people, people, they see your text, they want to respond right away and kind of get it off their to do's or their queue. Yeah. The email kind of sits, it dies, it goes into junk, it gets deleted, it gets ignored. Um, and that's why text is so powerful. And so people have to figure out how to leverage the, the, power of SMS because that is how the majority of people want to communicate now. And guess what? Did they call you? No, they filled out a form. Mm -hmm. They didn't call you. They could have, but they didn't. They filled out a form. It's a more passive approach. The internet world is more passive. Yeah. So when you say managing that communication, what you're really saying is 
because this is where I think a lot of people right now struggle with this because you have like virtual numbers, right? <clears throat> and you have like, you know, maybe a feature within your CRM. But when does it go from like the virtual number within um, your, um, your CRM to like your text, your actual cell phone, right? Like when, because that, that, I think that's like one of the maybe... Yep. That the, the, the broken parts of the sales system that frustrates team leads here, David, is um, they like agents will say, oh, I made the call, but I made it for my cell phone or I text them, but I text them for my cell phone. Well, if you can't measure it, you can't improve it. So, so how do you coach or how do you see that working? At what point does it go from in your CRM or through your virtual number to an actual like your personal cell phone number? Is it when the appointment's set? Is it somewhere else in the process? We, we believe in doing it when the appointment is set and we believe having a different persona that is or acts as your assistant mm. in the interim. And so when we approach leads on behalf of, you know, big real estate companies or teams, we don't say, I don't say, hi, this is Jimmy. Mm -hmm. I say, hi, this is Alex from Jimmy's team at Keller Williams or wherever. Right. Um, by the way, it makes you look bigger. Yeah. It makes sure. it look like you have more of an organization it makes it look like you're on top of it and your team is super responsive and how good does that make you look? Mm -hmm. Right? So we, we like to have that separation for two reasons. One, it, it solves that problem that you're just speaking to where you yep. can have a different number in text that you're communicating. And really the purpose is to qualify. And, and two, um, it, it lowers the, the guard because they don't mm -hmm. feel they're be, they're talking to that car salesman right off the bat. Yeah. Right. Um, they, they feel they're just talking to someone who they can kind of speak a little more openly to um, about what they're looking for. And, we approach it in that, in that way and it works really, really well. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that is the best approach is to have a separation. And when I say manage at two-way SMS, it goes back to, look, you, you set up these automations. Mm -hmm. Great. Now someone responds to it and then you're, you're waiting hours or, or, or 15, 20 minutes to respond if you're not available. How frustrating is that when you're in a text conversation yeah. and you're waiting for a text, even five minutes waiting for someone to text you back when you're in conversation is frustrating. Yeah. And so it's important that if you're going to have SMS, which you should, that you have a, someone who is the point person who has whatever app for whatever platform you're using that instantly gets notified every time and is there to respond or again, or you outsource it. And, and it's okay to outsource there. Aren't they outsourcing their marketing to you? Yeah, right. Sure. If they did everything, don't mm -hmm. they outsource the transaction management to a TC? Mm -hmm. You know, everyone has to do certain parts so that the engine can run. And you can actually run a machine, a business, and create a real process instead of yeah. you being a one-man show that tries to do everything mediocrity, you know, in, in a mediocre way as opposed to having specialists. Yeah, I, I, that's the way I think about it. I don't think about it necessarily as outsourcing. I think about it more as specialization, right? It's a, yeah. And I think in this case, um, you know, even for Curator, you know, we help listing agents get more listings. And we're, uh, we're a marketing company and we focus on helping people market their brand and, and market their business and market their listings to really help attract new customers. And, and as a result of that, our customers reach more people, generate more leads, build up their recognition, really differentiate themselves to their competition. Well, the reason we can do that so well and the reason why Verse can convert leads so well is because that's what we do all day long. Like that's what our entire team does all day long is think, breathe, and eat marketing. And the, the advantage that I think you have to be aware of when you're building a business, David, is this, is that um, you want to focus on people who have a different perspective, meaning that we have a vantage point. 
So we track thousands of emails a month and, and tens of thousands of ads a month. So we can begin to see the patterns, right? And we can begin to sort of uncover what exactly is required to get it done right. Uh, that is not the perspective that most people have. And the same thing is true for verse, right? You just, you see the trends that then become part of your standard. And I think the challenge with most business owners and, and for our community watching right now is that they they do try to take too much on and, 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 they, and they don't, there's an expression uh, from the blog I mentioned last week on rapid fire, which is they don't give away their Legos. They try to own the sales process. Just because you might be good at it doesn't mean you actually should be doing it. So David, the, 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 the fifth, we're going to go rapid fire here so we can make sure we let people off before the holiday weekend here. The, uh, the fifth one here is the, uh, the challenge that you see that kills conversion. The fifth mistake. The first mistake, speed to lead. Second mistake, no effort after hours coverage. Third mistake, no long-term follow-up. Fourth mistake, not properly managing the communication pre and post appointment. The fifth mistake is irrelevancy with the follow-up. Unpack that for us. It, it, it is the difference between sending you a text that says, um, hi, Jimmy, thanks for inquiry. Let me know when is a good time to talk. And you don't mm -hmm. know what that's about. Yep. Or, hey, Jimmy, David here with the Chris Smith curator team. Mm -hmm. Saw you were interested in our marketing products and would love to learn more. Well, for David, first and, off, it would, be, it, would be, it would be, hey, it's Chris Smith with the Jimmy Mackin real estate team, not the other way around, just to be clear. I want to give a shout out to sure. my, my, my partner in crime, Chris Smith. He's on vacation to Alabama this week. I hope he's having fun with his family. Taking Who's the, handling the leads when he's on vacation? <sighs> um, know, we should that, talk. You're, you're, look, you're looking at him right now. I, I got a couple of sales calls after this. But yes, I'm, I'm sorry. It's I just about being relevant. It's just about yes. being relevant and contextual. Sure. Because again, short attention spans. When someone reads your text, you want them to instantly know what it's about, yeah. why you're texting them, so mm -hmm. they can respond to you. And if they're not sure, they just won't even respond. And it, it sounds so simple. All of these sound simple, but it is incredibly um, fascinating to see how, how little this is done. And you could accomplish this with merge fields and yeah. any CRM, just like you do with an email. Yeah. And, and so, so, the, so the answer to the irrelevant, because what you're basically saying is, Jimmy, the mistake that I see happening over and over again, when companies come to Verse who have struggled with conversion, they hire us to basically help them, help them take it to the next level. The mistake I find over and over again is the follow-up. They may be doing long-term follow-up. They may be doing speed to lead, but it's not relevant. There is no context. And the, the marketing equivalent of this, David, is when you fill out a form, on a website and the confirmation box says, thank you for your inquiry. It is like, it is the single most important page on your website because the only people who will ever see that are your highest quality leads and we phone it in. Is that what basically you're saying? Like that like irrelevancy is killing that opportunity to convert those leads. Huge, that page on a website should say, we just got your inquiry, our team is on it. And, mm -hmm. and Jimmy will give you a call as soon as he gets, he gets on it or something yeah. like that. But, but you, and, and, but when you're sending text, you know, and, and people see that as a, as an authentic engagement, you're reaching out to them. Mm -hmm. That's when it's most important because a people can sniff out bots and you're going to yeah. automate the first text. So you want to come off more authentic. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so being more relevant and saying, Jimmy, I got your inquiry on Zillow about one, two, three main street. I used mm -hmm. your name. I used the property, the website you were just on, the property you clicked on. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm connecting with you and that builds trust. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I love that. And just for a quick, uh, a quick update, uh, Steve Smith, our, our uh, at curator. I don't think Stephen has a title at curator. He's just been with been with us day one. We got to figure that out, Steve. Maybe eventually. He said that Chris Voss is the uh, the the guru who talks about go for no. Uh, I'm I'm sure, I think there's actually someone who was actually even before that, Steve. But I know Chris Voss. Uh, and shout out to Chris Voss for those of you who who haven't read um, his book, uh, Never Split the Difference. It is arguably one of the best sales books, even though it's not necessarily a sales book. It's one of the best communication books uh, uh, that's out there probably in the last 30 years. We had him speak at our conference many years ago uh, before he was big time and before he was uh, doing his own masterclass and he got a standing ovation. Just a truly remarkable person. Tremendous amount of respect. If you haven't checked out his book, Never Split the Difference, please do. It's a great read. All right. Number six here, single channel approach. So you're saying, David, I can't just call my leads. I got to do something more than that. Multi-channel. And I know we touched on some of this, so I'll go through it quicker, but, but, and, and, I'll, and I'll give you an actionable item to, to exactly do. Okay. Um, the, the approach is not just about the outbound. It, this is about offering. This is not about you using multiple ways to engage the prospect. We already covered that. You have yep. to approach them with multiple channels. The, the lesson here is give them multiple ways to communicate with you. Mm. Yeah. So in our first, this is our default and everything we do is fully customizable, but our defaults that work really well are set to ask after we, 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 uh, we acknowledge, Hey, Jimmy, David here with a blank, blank team. Saw you inquired about one, two, three main street. And then we say, is now a good time for me to give you a quick call or would you prefer to text? Mm. This is yeah. the not taking no, not giving an out. You're giving preference or giving choice. Yeah. We get massive engagement with that because a people how does that break down for you by the way? How many how does that engagement? break down in terms you know not in terms in terms of what percentage say phone versus text? 74% say some version of text me. Mm -hmm. Of the people who respond, 74%. Yeah. And 26% say some version of call me. Yeah. The difference is this. This is what's really interesting. We're actually coming up with a whole study that that we're publicizing on this, publishing on this. Um, when you just call them cold before that text where they ask you, where they say call, it's 12% answer rate. Mm. When you text them, you already have more people saying call me than we're even going to answer. Twice as many people mm -hmm. already say, and 92% of them answer the phone when you call them because they mm. know who it is and what you're calling about. And they just told you to call them. So of course you're going to answer. Yeah. The other 8% yeah. are, are celebrating 4th of July early. That's all. So with that, but ninety-two percent. How effective is that? No more cold calling. You know, yeah. you, you can engage people right away. Give them the preference. The majority prefer to text. You start texting with them. Great. The people who say call me, you call them. They pick up. You have a great conversation. You didn't catch them off guard at the wrong time, wasting their time, wasting yours. Well, That's let me ask you a question. So, so are you advocating when you talk about single channel approach? You're basically saying don't let your preference be their preference. That's what I'm hearing you say. Which is give them the option to tell you how they want to be communicated with, as opposed to saying, "Well, we dial for dollars here, so I'm going to dial for dollars." I think it's I think it's actually it's a it, all these tips are relatively simple, but when you start to stack them up, you start to see that actually can have you know, exponential improvements on the performance. What you said there though was really interesting. In, in the conversion code, Chris talked about this idea of the double dial. And it's, you call someone yep. once and you call them again. But what you're saying- You don't leave the, the voicemail on the first one. You need to pique that interest, the curiosity. We do that. And yeah. by the way, I'm a huge fan of the conversion code. 
Yeah, well, and it's, it's, I think if, you, if he were to write that today, I think the double dial would evolve into what you're describing, which is it's a text to a call. So you're still kind of double dialing, but you're hitting them with the text and then you're following up with the phone call, which then ultimately improves the actual answer rate significantly. So on that note, we have one more, one more tip here, uh, one more mistake that people are making that's killing the conversion. Before we do though, David, I do want you to give, uh, just give us a high level elevator pitch on what Verse is. I want to give an opportunity to share with our community what you guys do every single day. You've brought a ton of value to the community at Water Cooler. Where can people connect with you and what do you guys do at Verse? Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. And um, it's a pleasure to be on here with you guys at Water Cooler. And um, what we do at Verse is we, we, we help real estate agents and mortgage companies and teams engage, qualify, nurture, and convert prospects into appointments or yeah. phone appointments. Um, so we take that for, off your plate. We connect directly to your lead source or CRM. The moment leads come in, they connect with Verse in real time. Yeah. Our engagement okay. kicks off automatically. We customize our scripts with you together to figure out what are the important questions you want us to gather and qualify based on. And we cover all of that for you. We take care of all of that engagement, qualification, follow up long term, and convert them. So you don't have to do anything until they're ready to go. We're doing it for you consistently every single time. And our platform is fully transparent. You could see at any time by logging in all of the leads you sent to us, all of our conversations back and forth the qualified rate, the response rate, and by yeah. source so that you can start to understand different lead sources and say, hey, this lead source, you know, is not converting as, as well as this one. Um, and maybe I should move some money into that one, right? And so mm -hmm. it gives you this kind of Google Analytics, in, Inman called it, you know, Google Analytics for real estate Yeah. Um, for, for that. But we just basically take that off your plate. You don't have to worry about it. And we do it extremely effectively 24-7 for, you know, a, a very effective pricing for a fraction of the cost of hiring someone full-time in-house, which is not going to work 24-7. You're going to take holidays. you got to yeah. train. you got to hire. you got to monitor. And we and, just, and just do that And just for context, for you, you, do you tend to work with single agents, teams, teams that have ISAs? Does it run the full gamut? Or is there a specific type of client you, you, you typically work with? We, we work with everybody. Um, you know, we have, you know, certain minimums and stuff. So you, you want to have at least, you know, 50 to 100 leads a month yeah, yeah. Um, to, to use our service. Sure. Um, for it to be cost effective. Um, and, and then um, up from there, we work with companies that have, you know, 10,000 leads a month. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. Last one, David, and we'll let, we'll let our audience take the break here for the 4th of July. I appreciate you coming on. I'm just going to recap just real quickly and we'll get into the last tip here, which is the conversion mistakes that you're making right now that are costing you money. And we talked about how to fix each one of these. Number one, speed to lead. Number two, no after hours coverage. Number three, no long-term follow-up. Number four, not properly managing the pre-appointment and post-appointment communication. Number five, irrelevancy. Did I you know that we talked about that one in depth the single channel approach which is the uh you know choosing their preference not yours and the last mistake people make right now david is one that you hit on many times during today's interview and today's discussion which is value how do you think about value when it comes to follow-up in the sales process i i think you have to offer value at every step of the way Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'll give you just a couple concrete examples of how to do so when, when you're following up with somebody long-term, especially instead, again, instead of just saying, are you ready now? Are you ready now? Are you ready now? Why not flip that a bit and say, you know, one of the things we, we actually use and it works super well after someone's kind of gone unresponsive, 
we add value. Mm -hmm. And what value is, is, hey, hey, Jimmy, I, I understand this may not be the right time and you may not want to start working with somebody or, or, or you know, looking at homes in person. But would it be all right if I set you up on a search based on your criteria mm -hmm. so that you can just keep a pulse on the market? And so when the time is right, you can be ready, right? Yeah. Um, well, that sounds like a different kind of commercial. When the time is right, you'll be ready. But, but you know, um, and for those of you who know what I'm talking about, you know. But the whole point is um, to, to add value. And so this works really well for us is, mm -hmm. is, is we offer to put them on a search. If they've already gone unresponsive, yeah. Better instead of just sending them email marketing automation forever, just saying you're a realtor and here are the rates, you know, yeah. um, why not send them actual listings that they're interested in, put them on your search so that they yeah. start seeing you and not the next guy advertising on Zillow. Yeah. So when you say value, what you're really saying is start to think about different offers. The offer, can we jump on a call or do you want to text me or do you want to talk next Wednesday at 3 p.m.? That is one offer. But there are other things that you can do, such as give them access to listings before they hit the market, put them on a market report so they can see what's selling in their neighborhood, put them on a listing alert, subscribe them to their blog, offer for them to follow you on Instagram. You might get exclusive content there. Oh, expand the, the, the options is what you're saying, David. Offer to appraise, give them a, 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 a light, you know, rough CMA. estimate of what their home is worth. Yep. Offer to walk through their home that they're looking to sell and suggest little fixes or, or curb appeal, you know, improvements they can make. Um, there's a lot of ways to offer value, inviting them to a, a, not so much today, but, you know, inviting them to a certain kind of value. Because when you give value, people naturally feel gratitude and that's going to open up the conversation and trust as opposed to you just being another kind of guy who's just trying to open that door when they're not willing to open it. You need to let them peek through the window and you're showing them something pretty and that's how you're going to get them talking to you, not yeah. through the door. Well, what you just described there is a book written by a famous psychologist, Robert Cialdini. The book is called uh, Influence, and he talks about this idea of gratitude, which is if I give you something, the human nature is you want to give something back to me in return. That might just be your time. And they did this famous study where this church uh, was trying to raise capital to expand their footprint. And I think we all see this now where the monks would walk right in and give you a flower. And they would go to the train stations and they would give flowers flowers and that actually increased their donations like to like 70 million dollars in one year and they expanded the monk church i'm not sure what the name of the monk church is uh so this idea of gratitude is, is is a is a mechanism to help actually increase the amount of quality conversations you can have david thank you so much for being on the water cooler where can people connect with you online sure uh david at burst.io i respond to people directly all the time they could connect with me on linkedin facebook instagram david tao um, or go to verse.io and if you click on, there's a pink button right on the homepage. It says watch a video. I actually do a full walkthrough, like a 10 minute walkthrough of the actual product and more of the details. So that can be very helpful. And then you can book a demo and our sales team, they're, they're, they're consultative. They're not pitchy and trying to just sell everybody. They really want to analyze your process and see where and if we can help. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so I recommend everyone go through that so we can give you that kind of free assessment of how your business is operating and where we see the opportunity to create, you know, significant lift and decide whether we partner to try that out or, 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 or move our separate way. So I recommend people go on verse.io and, and watch that video, book a time to speak yeah. to a team who's, they're experts at this. David Tall, 
co-CEO and co-founder of Verse.io. Thanks for being on The Water Cooler, David. Thank you so much, Jimmy. All right, guys. Well, The Water Cooler is a show about marketing, sales, and technology. Each episode, we focus on bringing advice that works. You can tune in live on Thursday at 5 p.m. on our website, curator.com slash live. You could follow us on Facebook, on Instagram. You can watch all of the replays of The Water Cooler on YouTube as well. I hope you guys have a wonderful 4th of July weekend, and we'll see you next week.